The following is a conversation with Frank Deniman, Chief Technologist for VMware's Cloud Business Unit, focusing on ML. An influential technologist in VMware's evolution, Frank has been pivotal in modernizing the vSphere platform and is gearing up for VMware Explore next week. This is a Sound of Tech to Come, a Veeam podcast. All right, Frank, what an intro that was, but this week we're a few days out from VMware Explore 2023. It's crazy to think that it's come so quickly, but you know, from your point of view, what excites you about the lead up to your major event, which was VMworld, but what, it's been a couple of years now since it's been VMware Explore. Yeah, well, muscle memory takes over every single time. So everybody within VMware still call, calls it VMworld, but it's officially called Explore. So don't feel bad if you still call it VM VMworld. I think that the, uh, the the vice president of marketing will will kill me for this. But yeah, um, yeah, it's called Explore. Um, so overall, I think the main theme of the upcoming uh, Explore uh, is going to be fantastic. It's closely aligned with what I do on a day to day basis. So I cannot be thrilled m any more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's before we dive into that and talk about the event next week and, you know, talk about what you're doing there and the, the general themes. I mean, you've obviously mentioned, and for those that don't know, you know, Frank's been massive into ML and, and AI over the past um, well, 12, 18, 24 months, probably longer. But if you look at your blog content, um, it's really been focused on that. So let's, let's, let's park that for the moment and talk about it later. But what do you, what do you feel like, again, like you, you've, you've been to a a number of VMworlds, right? I think you've probably lost count. I actually added up that this was my 10th in-person VMworld, and it's, it's hard to believe that. I started back in 2012, um, but it's become like an annual event. In fact, my wife just knows that around August this time, Anthony's going to the US to go to the VMware event, right? But what, how do you psych yourself up after being and going to so, so many of them? Well, yeah, same, same as you, you, right? So it's my center point of the year. Uh, every single year, I started to go to TSX. That was the precursor to um, VMworld in 2005. And in 2006, I made the uh, hop over to VM, uh, VMworld uh, in LA. And I actually missed two uh, VMworlds between 2006 and now. And so that becomes a, yeah, a stable thing in your life. And so I'm just looking forward it from the beginning on of the year till uh, till it happens. And because your responsibility grows within the company and, and everything highlights towards or everything ramps up towards that moment, yeah, it becomes a natural feeling that yeah, that's the peak of the year. Yeah, and I, I obviously I understand that now from the other side. Obviously, before I started, I was I was a partner coming to these events, and you know there was I was maybe doing a session with with jointly with a VMware individual. I was attending advisory councils. I was doing the the the, the actual um, presentations on the side, the community sessions. So it was a very different feel. But now that I'm on the flip side, and I know from our perspective, from a Veeam perspective, we do um, Veeam on the amount of energy that that takes. And before the event, it, it's crazy, and it must be on a different level for you guys at VMware, given the, the size of the events and the importance of what it represents for for you guys as a company. And it's it is has always been that mecca event um, for people in the virtualization space. So, it does it. Do you do you ever get um, a sense of you know stress or agitation getting into these events, or do you kind of see them as being 
a way to express, you know, effectively what you do very well in your company, which is evangelize the technology at the highest level. Yeah, I think the latter is is the majority of the feeling. And this year I've been involved in the keynote messaging. So um, that brings a lot of stress, of course, but it's positive stress because you want to ensure that the company will will show the best message possible and align with the industry as as well as we can. And so it yeah, it takes a lot of time and but in the end you will see the result and I think that that matters as as like you know when you're on stage and the moment you deliver and you see the response that where where it's yeah where it counts now that don't get me wrong i'm not going to be on main stage uh yeah. but i i'm i'm involved in the messaging yeah and, and that's you right like, like and that's a, that's a sense of accomplishment because you've been involved in the messaging and the main themes that's it's like a sporting event and i always say this it's like a kind of like a sporting event for a lot of that that and in this case the analogy would be you've been like the coach right because you've coached the people that are going to be on stage delivering the messaging that that you've crafted so at the end of the day if it gets executed you're still going to have that sense of achievement and accomplishment so it's it, and it's a very awesome feeling um to, to have that it's 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 like a, a win a sporting win so it must be awesome to see that at a vmware level as well it's it's um it's always big, these VM worlds and explores. So tell me a little bit about uh, more than that. So, you know, you, you've got next week sessions, you do customer meetings, I'm assuming, um, well, maybe you don't, but it's maybe run through a normal week for Frank Deniman at an event like this. Normal week? Well, uh, <laughs> if it's normal, <laughs> right? Yeah, what is normal? <laughs> um, I try to have breakfast with industry friends. And then uh, my day starts, typically start with customer meetings, uh, maybe a session. I, I obviously go to the, the general session, the main stage session, of course. And then I'll try to do, or I'm going to do my own sessions. This time I have two breakout sessions and two meet the experts. Um, the majority is focused on machine learning. And I have my, um, this time it's called 45 minutes of NUMA instead of the 60 minutes of NUMA because they, they reduced it to 45 minutes, unfortunately. Actually, funny, funny, sto funny story there. So yesterday, Duncan put out a tweet about it being 45 minutes and I hadn't actually realized that it was a 45 minute session. I've been planning for my session, which is the Veeam sponsor session, uh, zero BS for the VMware admin, just a bit of a bit of a plug there if you want to come in, 11.45 on the Tuesday. Um, very good at that, right? That wasn't even, that wasn't planned, it just came out. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I thought it was 60 minutes and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to kind of think on my feet here and go to 45 minutes. But you're right, that's a challenge. That 15 minutes is a huge difference when it comes to a very in-depth session, which yours are always brilliantly in-depth, right? Thank you. Yeah, and so that's a problem as well because my session was originally called 60 minutes of NUMA and Duncan told me like, hey, dude, you know, it's actually 45 minutes. And I'm like, no. And uh, he told the uh, event uh, organization, like, um, apparently a lot of people don't know it's actually 45 minutes. So one of the organizers actually reached out to me. Do you want me to change your title as well? I'm like, yeah, please do. So they changed yeah. it for me, uh, luckily. But so, yeah, I had to reduce my content, which is uh, difficult for me because 60 minutes is not enough. I, I yeah. tend to be very verbose. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> but oh, no, uh, it's a good thing. 
Um, yeah, so um, I, I needed to cut a lot of uh, uh, cool stuff out, but I hope it's still uh, uh, entertaining. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think for, for anyone, and obviously for anyone that's seen and read your content, your, your brilliant diagrams, like, like I, know, I remember back in the day, like I was like, geez, I wish I could do the diagrams like, like Frank, they're amazing. And I think, to be fair, if you look at some of the stuff that I did, you know, pre-Veeam at, at my previous companies, a lot of them were based on your general structure, right? Just trying to make them clean and crisp and to the point, but also with detail. So I think a lot of people love what you do and a lot of people love the amount of detail that you go into your your. I, I think I tweeted this a couple of times, I even mentioned it to you, your, your blogs can be just mind-altering in terms of just trying to understand them and really dive into the deep aspects of, you know, newer technology, CPU technology. And I, th I think it's so valuable because in this day and age, I think the prevailing thought in the industry is that they like the concept of a black box and they like not being told what's in that box. But I think what you do is you just dive in and and it's still very important because we need to know what happens in that black box. So I don't know if you've got any comments about that or if you're purposeful about that, but it's one of your biggest one of your biggest attributes. Yeah. Well, thanks for all these compliments. I really appreciate it's okay. it. Okay, you can pay me. You can pay me the fifty <laughs> later. Okay. Next yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> and so the um yeah, it, I'm 100% purposeful on, of that because um, when I started with MCC uh, way way back. Um, I noticed that most of these books are just captures of screenshots. Click here, click there, do that, and then you have a uh, gateway for netware, right? And um, I'm like, okay, but what happens in the background? What makes it so that if I, that I can understand that if something breaks, I can follow the trail to to actually solve it, like so, like what real mechanics do when they fix an engine. Right, they 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 know where to place a spanner because they understand how the engine functions, right? And so th that made me realize, and that made me uh, that made me write the first book with Duncan because we were on a long-term project in London and we were talking about it. I'm like, all these technical technical books are just showing how where to click. Let's let's write a book that actually shows what's behind the covers. And so that's the the start of HA and uh, the DRS deep dive book. And that you know what? I've still got that book. Still nice. got it. I used to read it on the train on the way in. I, I never forget it, right? So even before I knew you, really, I was I was reading that book. So just as a, as a side note, it, it's it's cool to think that you and I talk, you know, as as we are with mates, you know, now. But to think about that book initially that I read, which blew my mind, and and actually for a lot of people out there still, if they've evolved from the VMware world outside of it, that book is still a cornerstone of a lot of people's foundations. So yeah, kudos on that as well. Well, the interesting thing was when we wrote the book we had this bet between each other, like how many people will buy this book? And 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 I said to Duncan, I said less than 100. And he said, no man, you're crazy. It's going to be like 500. <laughs> and overall, I think we sold more than of the entire series, more than 100,000. So um, <laughs> yeah, we were both very wrong. <laughs> yeah, but, in um, a good way. Yeah, but the interesting thing is that with like, People treat it like a black box. And in some cases, you should, right? There is this service platform like clouds, and they will give you all the things that you need, and you don't need to worry about those things. And I firmly believe in that. But the reality is, even with the latest and greatest technologies, you still need to understand what's going on. And the best example of that are like um, 
like Lambda, like Lambda services. Like what what made me re- realize was that one of the biggest uh, blogs that I read about that was the actual troubleshooting of cold starts. And that somebody dove in to why a cold start happened with a Lambda service. And yeah. I'm like, ah, you don't need to think about how to set up an infrastructure, how to set up a Kubernetes environment, how to set up all these things. But what you're doing right now is you're going back to the, the genesis of the, the whole uh, foundation of the whole infrastructure, why you're getting that, that cold start delay, right? And so that, real, that made me uh, ensure that everything what I'm writing about always makes sense because yeah. r- regardless of what technology is hip or what is new, you still need to understand the underlying infrastructure regardless of the yeah. abstraction layer. That's amazing. I think, honestly, if you pull it back to VM worlds and explore, that's why people go still, I feel like. There's obviously a few reasons why people go to these events. Like, obviously, there's networking, um, there's vendor swag, there's all sorts of that atmosphere, which is the good side of the, you know, the community and what we do. But ultimately, you also go to, the prog- to better yourself, right, as a technologist. Yeah. So there's an abundance of sessions there, too many really to, to, to consider, and there's so much overlap, and it's hard to make a decision on, on which one to go to ultimately. But I think there's, and, and again, there are some sessions that don't add as much value, but ultimately what you do and your sessions and sessions like yours, I think is the fundamental benefit of why people would go to these events. So yeah, it's it, do, you, do you sometimes find people's reasons for going um, more towards that social side and they're missing out on all the good tech content. I mean, obviously that that's a thing, but what would you say to that? Like what, what's your advice to someone net new going to this sort of event is probably a better question. Yeah. Well, I was just going to add besides going to the sessions because most sessions are recorded. So you can always catch them up later when you, you get back home, right. Or read. But, but do watch they? Them but again, do people, right? but yeah. I think, I think they do. I think right? they do. Yeah. Because yeah. after, after a long week, you don't typically go back immediately, but later yeah. on you might, right? Yeah. But the, the reality is that there are so many people around you that are knowledgeable, not even the speakers, but the people who are standing next in line that go through the same things that you are going through, yeah. right? And that was uh, what, what made the VMUX happen. Like I'm going to share an evening with other people that that experience the same problems, that, that 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 try to solve the same things, and they're going to tell me about how they solved it, right? That was the initial idea about VMUX. There's somebody, there's a user on stage that that will tell the that will tell the audience, hey, I got this problem and I solved it like that. And th- that that idea is still something that you can experience within VMworld. Now, if you are net new, Obviously, you're lacking the people, uh, you're lacking the the, the, the social connections, right? Yes. But there are so many things that you can, a way you can f- create those um, those moments when you're in a session. Make, strike up a conversation before the speaker uh, uh, starts to talk. Don't do it while the speaker starts, <laughs> because that might be a little bit annoying for the for the for the person next to you, but yeah. and for the speaker. But you can see um, everything up there, by the way. When we're on the yeah, stage, yeah, yeah. you can see everything, right? <laughs> Especially the new speakers, they have like like ears of the wolf because uh, you're getting like bio- you you're becoming a bionic man or yeah. bionic woman, of course. But the the reality is that like when you're standing in line or when you're going to these these uh, community areas, 
Like we have all these areas uh, set up for you to have a conversation with somebody else, right? And there's of, of course all the parties as well where you can have conversations and where you, where you can connect with, with other people. Yeah. Yeah, you raise a really good point because I think um, if I think back to my first, um, you know, big big tech conferences, it actually was in Microsoft, right? I used to go to TechEd. Remember TechEds back in the day? Um, I used to go there, and I was this little shy, lone wolf sort of guy that would, you know, stick to himself. And it, it took it took a good number of years to have the confidence to be able to go up and speak to different people, you know. Uh, pester the PMs that might have been on the state or on the boots and whatever and, and ask silly annoying questions and it's funny now I think if someone comes and asks silly annoying questions to me I get a little bit frustrated so maybe I was that that kid as well but the point is is that if you're there don't waste it so I think this has turned into a really good discussion about what you would do at an event if you're net near but even if you're one or two years in and still feel that you don't get enough of that interaction it's just look at the different areas around there's always people willing to chat i would actually you know go around the expo floor um but the expo floor i think i tweeted this yesterday that the best part of the expo floor is the people on the periphery it's the ones down the back because they're typically the startups that are just starting in the ecosystem um and start some of those startups you know, end up ten years later, like like a Veeam or a Rubrik or a Cohesity or a pick pick your poison, right? Like they they start somewhere. So there's always some interesting stuff. And the good thing about those people in the booth, for those types of guys, is they want to have conversations, right? Yeah. They want to be talking to people. And I think that's a good way to break some ice. And then you at least get some aspect of technology that you know might help you in your daily work or whatever it might be so yeah it's 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 awesome that expo hall apart from everything else at this event yeah you raise a good point the expo one is good uh, coming back to your stupid question part questions to vmware people are gold right because we get to see the insights of customers uh, and the challenges that they have so for me ask those questions because i typically besides going to my own sessions i have a lot of customer meetings uh, and these are for me to hear what customers have to say what are the challenges they are and i can translate that back to engineering to the pms and to the the strategies that i write for 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 the company and yeah. so when you see me walk by and you have a question just reach out and 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 strike up that conversation because that's helpful um for all of us yeah and i think from that point of view the accessibility to someone like yourself and, and duncan and you know william lamb will be there and the other top sort of guys that we've known in the community for a long time don't be afraid to go up and say hi um i, I know how this feels when you, you're you're a youngster in there and it's like holy crap that's frank you're like you know and you kind of the perception is that and I know this because I felt this as well back in the early days, is that you see these people walking around, it's like, oh, I, I can't talk to them because what if I say something stupid? And these guys are like awesome and the, the, I look up to them so much. But I think don't be afraid. And I think you get one of two people, either someone's really confident or maybe overconfident and they come up to you and they you know, say this, this and that, or the other is the other one that doesn't want to come up to you and talk because they're just a bit shy about what they want to say and they don't want to seem stupid. Um, so, yeah, in terms of stupid questions, that's just – what you think that's your perception right but you're saying it could be handy as well hey let's, let's change tag i think that was, that was a great little segue we didn't even plan to go down that path but i think that's that's the nature of a good conversation but i wanted to go back to 
the AI and ML part of what you've been focusing on quite outwardly in your role um, within within the team. So what this is the first question, because I think I forget, but maybe for others, what area of VMware are you in now in terms of a BU? Yeah, so it's called the CIBG, Cloud Infrastructure Business Group. And so we're responsible for the core uh, elements. So think about vSphere, vSAN, all these uh, parts and the cloud offerings like uh, VMC on AWS, VMC on Azure, all these things. And um, I am responsible for machine learning. So I'm the chief technologist machine learning. And I help the, the uh, PMs, the product managers that are, that are responsible for delivering the services and the functionalities. I help them figure out um, where to, what to invest in, what to uh, productize, what to prioritize, and all these, these things. So I create strategies. Um, we have conversations about things, and I talk to en engineering. And one of my roles, of course, is to go out, talk to customers, and to see what challenges they have and how we can fix them in products. So on the ML side, so did you question? Did you did you see yourself five? years ago being responsible for that at VMware? Did you see it as, as something that was going to happen? I, I don't think none of us saw it as being this top uh, level of responsibility, right? Uh, no, not exactly. Um, I was always uh, intrigued by by uh, HPC because I was look always looking into CPUs and, and yeah. uh, all these things. And so I looked into HPC, but that was a little bit way too academic. And so we I saw hints and glimpse of machine learning. And slightly, I look, I started to learn more about that. So I think three years ago, Kit Colbert, who was my, uh, my uh, manager back then, he said, well, why don't you focus more on that? And uh, I liked that a lot because it was a new level of compute, of course, and it brought a lot of these complexities uh, together. And I, I believe that machine learning is the, the, the connecting workload because it actually uh, involves everything. It involves compute, it involves storage, it involves networking and security. And so it goes back to the whole thing that, that started 20 years ago when I got into virtualization that I thought, hey, instead of looking at a server and installing a Windows operating system and calling it uh, done, I now need to figure out, okay, I need to connect the centralized storage element. Oh, and I need to understand networking and I need to do all of these things. What 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 needed to happen when I started to install a hypervisor, right? And so it opened up my world to these new things. But with machine learning, instead of, uh, not only did I go in, in um, um, like horizontally, I, you also go vertically, you go up yeah. the stack. Okay. Um, and that is uh, that thought that was very interesting for me, um, while being still related to, to a lot of hardware questions and all of these things. I took my time to really understand it. I'm still taking my time to understand it because it's so complex and it's so uh, fast moving. And because it's very new still, although it's been going on for 20, 30 years, uh, the 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 movements within the, the industries are rapidly evolving. Accelerating. Look, yeah, exactly. And if you look at uh, three years ago, four years ago, the main theme was vision. Vision AI was the main theme. Everybody was looking at that. But if you look at the, 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 the development of the models itself, 
two years, three years ago, NLP, natural language processing, uh, was more in, in focus. And now with large language models, which is basically a, a, a larger NLP model, the, the thing is, if you look at what, uh, what needs to be involved, you're touching every single component within the stack. From an orchestration perspective, to an application, to the uh, to different personas. We're talking about a data scientist. We're talking about a DevOps person. You're talking about an administrator. And you're talking about an application owner. And you need to figure out how all of this comes together. And I think that's what, what makes it such a fascinating industry. That's exciting, right? Like, yeah, I think so. Because I, I think there's been a push of late for almost like the virtualization admin pushed out the, the server admin you know, to a certain extent, but it's almost like for the last few years, we've, we've had this push against virtualization and platform engineering, and it's all been about DevOps and, you know, that sort of approach. But I feel like this sort of technology, like you said, brings the different elements together and the, and the different disciplines, different personas to all have to work together because you're never going to get one person who's able to do everything, right? Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's still just driven by the the data and the application, the 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 workload or what the business requires. So there's an outcome here that the business wants to go into to access this technology. And I guess you sometimes would go into a customer and they would go, I think we need to do something with AI and ML, but we don't know what. And we've got this data sitting here. We've got this application. How can we make this work for our business? So what, what's the outcome that we need to achieve? And I think to this point, they don't even know what they're really asking for. Um, yeah. So it must be challenging from your perspective going in to actually give them something that's that's tangible, useful, but also you know reflects the right way on VMware's technology stack as well. Yeah, and I think what you see, you you actually captured it brilliantly. What we also see is that there are new players in the data center. So we're not talking about hey, can we run it on um, on virtualization or can we run it in cloud? But bare metal is also a valid player. Mm -hmm. And what you typically see is that people compare themselves, again, uh, to the big players. Like, hey, but Microsoft and OpenAI are running this on bare metal. Yeah, but hold on, right? They're training a large language model that is, is comprised of billions and billions of parameters, right? That needs to be fed trillions and trillions of tokens, which are just words. And you need 2,000 uh, uh, of these GPUs. And there, there's this one goal, and that's just feeding the beast a lot of data and helping them distribute that data set across these resources. And that's the only thing it does, right? And so you, you train for 2,000 hours on that thing. For that purpose, that purpose alone, yeah, bare metal makes sense. Yeah. But in reality, you don't need to do that as an enterprise-grade uh, environment because all of these companies, like Microsoft, like Meta, all, all, uh, other companies, they've, they've created these what's called foundation models, which is a pre-trained model, a, a pre-trained mm -hmm. large language model. And you can use it, and that's like this generalist. Like you can, you can download it. And you can run it on a far smaller scale. You can run it on two um, GPUs, like two 48 gigs GPUs, and you have the model running and you can fine tune it. And with fine tuning, what I mean by that is you can use your domain specific uh, data 
Like for example, let's train a large language model. And if you can, if you look at the the the, the fundamental of a large language model, it's just a statistical model, right? So it's trained on everything. It's trained on on whales. It's trained, I mean, the animals. It's trained on the continent of Australia. It understands all of these things. But now we want to train it on. Uh, I'm a bank, and I want to have my customer service respond to a yeah. to a new service that that I'm releasing. So when a customer call comes in, I want my uh, my customer service agents to respond to that question. And I'm going to create a large language model that helps them answer those questions so they can focus more on the on the conversation at hand. And I have that large language model that can translate those questions easily and can give that 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 latest information with the right words so that the customer service agent can deliver that that answer correctly right and so what we need to do is we need to fine-tune that model to actually statistically align with those new terms so that's what fine-tuning does right so we're going to statistically alter and make it more that it's more aligned to that domain specific information and so we need to use that foundation model and we're going to freeze all those parameters and we're going to add some layers and we're going to make sure that it's more or less leaning towards these terminologies and these types of things. And then we can add some additional environments like a vector database where we can add all these PDFs, all these documents. So you can add these new services, yeah. the, the, the collateral of these new services really fast. And so you can you can align your 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 release as 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 fast as you can actually uh, deliver the services as a company, right? So you can you don't have to retrain your model for two thousand uh, hours every single time when you're delivering a new product or a, a new service as a company. Like your your core business is something else, and, and that's so, where I was going to yeah. say, and that's where VMware's stack now comes into play yes. because you can facilitate the the training of that model that model on your own premises where instead of going to a big cloud or doing what what is seen to be the normal thing this this in this day and age which is you know use a google use a meta use a facebook use an open ai exactly you you can go to open ai and feed your 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 highly confidential data and and train that yes. that model okay. but you don't want is. that right or think about a bank again let let's say you you create a a model and but some analysts are privy to specific financial data, but the other uh, employees employees aren't. Now, with certain technologies, you can do uh, role-based access on specific data while still having this large language model as a conversational agent, right? Yeah, so okay. you can like this conversational interface more, right? And so you can you can change that with within your your vSphere environment while having your domain specific information your confidential data on prem and you're not exposing that to a uh, environment or to a large language model that is exposed to everybody else yeah that's and that's cool and there's, there's the value right there of it so that, that's kind of like a justification number one you blew my mind again like you normally do in, in terms of and actually it's funny because we talked about the fact that i think tomorrow you said you were potentially going to release a blog on some terminologies and whatnot around you know what what you need to know potentially yeah. next week or even moving forward with with vmware and the, and this 
area of AI and ML. So stay tuned to that, everybody, as well. we'll I'll post the, that link in the show notes at the same time. But it's really interesting that VMware is going down this very targeted path. You, you're obviously front and center of that. I see the value in it because you're right. At the end of the day, it comes down to a, almost like a data sovereignty point of view, right? You don't want to you know, put your data into some public model because it is potentially going to be you know, critical to your business or it is sensitive in some way. Um, and, and there's a level of untrust still in that. So where would you run it to be trusted? on-premises or even if it's hosted somewhere, whatever it might be. So it makes complete sense. And I, I love that you're pushing this and you're bringing it up at a VM world as well. So I think there's going to be a lot more on this next week. Um, I'm really excited for that to see what's going to be on the main stage, what you're going to do in your sessions. But just to finish off, because yeah. I told you that we, we, we probably we could have talked with two or three. We could have made this a Lex Freeman podcast and gone for five <laughs> hours. <laughs> and yeah. talked about that, but we both, we both don't have that time. Um, but just finish off by giving you know, a, a wrap-up of what you expect next week and some of your highlights and whatever you want to say. Yeah, next week uh, I'm going to uh, do a lot of sessions uh, and I want to talk to my old friends in the industry and, and meet some customers. So if you see me walk by, just say hi. Um, go to the main stage uh, session, of course and go to the um, the other sessions, the technical sessions from the CTOs like Chris Wolf, like Kit Colbert, because we're we're showing a lot of the new technologies um, in those sessions as well. Awesome, it's gonna be a great week. I'm gonna look forward to it, I always do. So VM, no matter what it's called, if, if it's VMworld, if it's Explore, it doesn't matter because it's just the feel of the week and what you get out of it. So looking forward to it. Hey. Thanks, Frank, for being on the sound of tech to come in the lead up to VMware Explore 2023. Thanks for having me.